0: Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to episode number 17 of Being Famous Podcast. I am your host. My name is Cliff. As always, hope everyone around the world is doing well and staying safe. If you're a new listener, welcome. I appreciate you checking me out. If you're a return listener and a fan of the podcast, thank you for the continued support. It is greatly appreciated. For more information about me and the podcast, check out my webpage, beingfamouspodcast.com. That's beingfamouspodcast.com. Facebook and Instagram are at Being Famous Podcast. That's at Being Famous Podcast. Just as a reminder, guys, the podcast operates from the generosity of donations. If you would like to help support the podcast and help support the cause, you can donate one of two ways. All right, here we go. Donate $100 and score a Being Famous Podcast t shirt. I have small, medium, largest, and extra largest in stock right now. That is going to be a $100 donation. That $100 donation is also going to get you a coffee mug and three high-gloss stickers, which, come on, guys, man, stickers are cool. Don't want to donate $100 but still want to show your support? I got you. You can do that. $10, $18, $23, $41, whatever that dollar amount may be you can donate and you can donate right now donations are made through paypal which is very safe and secure to donate my paypal account is info at beingfamouspodcast.com that's info at beingfamouspodcast.com more information on how to donate as well as descriptions and pictures of merchandise can be found on my webpage at beingfamouspodcast.com also guys I have very simple and easy links that are connected to PayPal. It's very streamlined and very simple. So if you want to donate $100 for the merchandise, there's a uh, link for that. If you don't want to donate the $100, but you just want to simply make a donation through PayPal to my PayPal account, there's a link for that as well. It is very simple and very streamlined. And guys, any donation that I receive is greatly appreciated. But I got got to tell you, man, those Being Famous Podcast t-shirts, the coffee mug, and those stickers, They're pretty tight. You might wanna make that $100 donation and pick yourself up some gear and at the same time, help support your boy. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's get on to episode number 17. Back in 1987, when I was 13 years old and would go to school dances, the DJ would always play a slow jam that everyone would slow dance to. That slow jam was come over by New York based group 4x4. It's kind of one of those lost 80s gems that's been forgotten. 4x4 would go on to release one album and a few more singles. The guy that I'm about to speak with who is patiently waiting would go on to become a writer and producer working with such artists as Nicki Minaj and Joe. Oh yeah, he would also go on to join the legendary R&B group The Force MDs, which we will talk about. Today, he is still active in the music industry and currently teaches music history, vocal coaching and performance at the high school level let's welcome to the podcast founding member of the group four x four his name is damon hayward damon what up man welcome to the podcast thanks for coming on the show
1: wow what's up cliff man thanks for having me on here man um was looking forward to this whole day and uh looking forward to all the questions you asked I'm ready to answer them and just vibing out with you my bro
0: awesome appreciate that Damon uh where are you calling from man oh Hackensack New Jersey okay cool that's not a uh area that I'm familiar with how far is that from New York
1: oh man it's about uh driving seven minutes from New York right across the GW bridge George Washington Bridge okay cool are you originally from New York yeah, well, I'm from the Bronx. Bronx, New York, high bridge, a little section, high bridge area of the Bronx. Had a lot of um a lot of talent in that area. Um right now, currently you have um A Boogie with the hoodie, the artist A-Boogie. Um bridge of label Atlantic Atlantic Records. Uh he's from there. Um you had SWV, well Leanne is from there. You had uh the group Allure, Lalisha. He had some NBA players, Walter Berry, John Morton, um, street legend, Master Rob Muggsy. So, man, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's a lot of talent from High Bridge. Nice. Actually, Cool Herc um, started hip hop in that section of the Bronx, too. So.
0: Heck yeah, man. Cool Herc, legend. Uh, did you know Cool Herc, Damon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember, <laughs> you know, um, in the late 90s, I remember being at my band, uh, my brother Tito from the Fearless Four, rap group, the Fearless Four. We was at Tito's house, and he had a basketball court, full court there. We were playing ball, and Herc was on on the opposite team from me, and I was this dude was kind of still strong and going, so I was fouled him a few times, kind of hard, <laughs> too, but he took it
0: in stride. Wow, man, that is very cool, basketball against cool Herc. Uh... Damon, uh, this is going to be a great podcast, man. You've already dropped some legendary names, of course. Cool Herc, who was also in the movie Beat Street. He played himself. And uh, you mentioned the Fearless Four. Those guys had a pretty big song back in the uh, early 80s with Rockin' It, mm-hmm. a fantastic song to breakdance to. But wow, Damon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's cool, man. Basketball against Cool Herc. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, dude, that's so cool to me. And this is what happens with the podcast, Damon. That right there is probably a podcast episode all on its own. I could probably talk to you for another 30 or 45 minutes just in regards to that. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on, man. Uh, I know you're from New York. How did you like growing up in New York?
1: Oh, man, there's no place like New York, you know. No matter where I've traveled, um, where I traveled to, and I've been around the world with music. Um, It's always home you know I've been in Hackensack, New Jersey for 11 years but then again I'm a music I'm a high school music teacher so I'm in New York five days a week sometimes six days um sometimes seven it just depends on what I have going on um New York is home though sure I've been all around like I said I've been all around the world I've never witnessed a place like New York
0: as you mentioned uh, music has pretty much taken you all across the world do you have a favorite city
1: oh gosh you talking about in the United States or outside of the United States? I don't know. Both. Mm. Well, of course, me being from the East Coast, if i got to pick a place, the West Coast, I love L.A., right? Um, outside of the country, I love Holland. You know, Amsterdam, Holland, Rotterdam, Holland was cool. London. I loved Africa. It was cool. Um, you know, each place have their own thing about them that stand out to me, and you love them for those reasons. But... Uh, Yeah, I think I had so much fun in in London, Holland, I'd say Holland.
0: Yeah, Damon, of all the places that you've mentioned, uh, or all the places that you mentioned outside of America, uh, I have been to zero of those places, but I have been to L.A. quite a few times, and uh, I tell you what, man, I am a Southern California guy. I love L.A. Uh, What is it that you like about Los Angeles?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, I guess it's the same thing with, like, people from L.A., they love coming to New York. New York, you love going to California. I mean, because with us growing up, you always see the Hollywood and the, right, you know the the palm trees and and um sure all of the the glitz and glamour. I mean, especially when I was younger coming up, it was just going out to L.A. It's like wow, we're in L.A. You know, it's just it was different, total opposite from New York. So the vibe was just so chill.
0: Yeah, man, L.A. is a pretty big difference from New York, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, man, you nailed it. The uh, the vibe which is why I'm attracted to it so much. The vibe out there is just very chill. It's very laid back. It's just very cool. Uh, I definitely dig L.A. Uh, Damon, being a kid growing up in the Bronx, what type of music were you listening to?
1: Oh, man. Uh, A diverse genre of music, different genres of music, I mean. Um, I listened to pop, um, R&B, All the Soul, like the Jackson 5, definitely. Motown was big in my house. But so was um Elton John. Um, Let's see. Uh, no, whoa, 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 whoa. James Taylor. I'm a big James Taylor dude. Okay, very cool. Um, I listened to, I mean, from Pat Benatar, to Olivia Newton-John, the Bee Gees, you know, the disco era, all of that. And then hip-hop hit the scene. So um, Marvin Gaye, that's like my number one right there, Marvin Gaye Michael Michael Jack- Jackson. So I listened to a little bit of everything, country, pop, all type of stuff. Just love for music.
0: Very cool, man. I like the list. Wouldn't have thought that Pat Benatar would have made that list, but nonetheless, very cool, Damon. I like it. Uh, Damon, let's move on, man. And just before we go any further, uh, for me, just to describe how the podcast works, obviously the listeners cannot see us, but I can see Damon and Damon can see me. Uh, So there is no video, but for conversational purposes, he can see me and I can see him. So we're not staring into blank computer screens. And uh who did I say the same thing to, man? I think it was Garfield Bright from Shy, who I made the same comment to. Uh Damon, with your hat on like that, man, and you're probably a little bit older than me, dude. You look like you're about twelve years old. What's the secret?
1: (laughs) Well, actually, I am twelve. I'm born on leap year day, so if we had to break down I only get a birthday every four years. Right, right. So I'm about ten. Yeah. Something like that, twelve. Yeah.
0: Right. I'll take that. Yeah, no doubt. For real, man, you look pretty young. Is there a secret?
1: The secret, um You know, I thought, people ask me that all the time. (laughs) Me, um, you know, I've got in my life. I try to be, I don't, you know, I don't know if this even uh, makes sense to some people, but, uh, hmm, because I've done things, I wasn't always eating right. And I still managed to, you know, keep a certain look, a certain quality of life uh, reflection. But in the past year, With this COVID thing, I've been very um, health conscious, right? Yeah. Uh, I've dropped 30 pounds, which I was around, hmm, what was I, about 200. Uh, I had diabetes. I was taking metformin three times a day. They wanted me to add insulin to it. I was like, nah, 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 nah. You know, when you get in your late 40s, 50s, 60s, you have a dresser full of medication, right? We saw our families, uh, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, all that. I didn't want that for me. For sure. Um. So, I um. I just went vegan, alkaline. Um, I looked up Dr. Sabe. I started following what he said, and in three months, I went back to my doctor, and um. All that was gone. Diabetes gone. Wow. Uh. No more Lipitor for cholesterol. All that stuff. Everything was back to normal.
0: Wow, man. That's absolutely fantastic. Good for you, uh, Damon. Let's move on, man. Let's get to your career. Uh, 1987, 1986. I mean, we can go back to that point in time. Uh, obviously, whenever I have anybody on the podcast, I always do research just to find out uh, more information about them. Damon, there is not a whole lot of information out there uh, in regards to your former group, 4x4. Damon, take me to the beginning, man. Tell me about 4x4 and how you guys came to be.
1: Um, you know, I'll take you through the journey. Well, being very little, you know, we got our introduction to loving music and discovering that we had a talent also by trying to emulate the jackson five we always wanted to be like the jackson five right from a very young age um that was a light that went off and we we're like oh let's do that and being that four by four is like pretty much a family group um we wanted to do that uh so we started getting into all different type of contests singing and going around and because in, in that era, you could just, we would get on the train and go to record companies. We would look at the albums, right? The back of albums to get the addresses to Manhattan, like where these record labels were located. And we would get on the train and we would go down there and we would just walk through, get an elevator. We'd look at the directory when we were in the lobby. And we would go up and we would, um and like the receptionist would be like, hey, guys, you can't go through, you can't go. We just keep walking, right? We had it all mapped out, all planned out. And if we saw somebody in the office, we just one, two, three, we just started singing. So we would sing for who on our way down there, we would be on the train singing <laughs> and getting a crowd and people like, oh, you kids sound good. You kids sound good. And we just wanted it so bad, right? And then when, when New Edition hit the scene, we were, um, my brother Lance and I were rapping. We, were, we was in a rap group, down 4, and we were getting pretty popular um, in New York with that, we had some battles with Kid Capri and his, his group and different people like that. And, um, but we quit that because we wanted to sing.
0: Okay, Damon. Hold on, man. Um, let's, okay, so you're already talking about going into, and this is how I do my podcast, man. I like to get the whole story, bro. I try to get as much of the story as possible. You're already talking about going into record labels. We're not even there yet, man. So let's go back a little bit. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, no problem.
0: First of all, let's go over who 4x4 is, okay? Um, It is Lance Hayward, who is your brother. Of course, you, Damon Hayward. Mm -hmm. Steve Gray, who was the lead singer. Yes. And I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Jay,
1: just call him Jay. Gerardi, but we call him Jay. Everyone calls him Jay.
0: Okay, perfect. There you go. Jay Jackson. Lance is your brother. Who is Steve and Jay? Those are cousins. Okay, gotcha. So a brother and two cousins. Yeah. Got it. All right, cool. So Damon, take me to the beginning, man. How did you guys uh, form and become Four by Four?
1: When we when Lance and I quit rapping, right? We wanted to do take the singing thing seriously. Um, that was around oh boy, eighty four, eighty five, and then um, we was we met a friend of ours. His father was Copeland Forbes. He was big in the reggae scene with like groups like um, Black Uhura, Yellow Man, and so he had some connections to some people. And he brought us to a man by the name of Royal Bayon. Um, Royal Bayon was cousins cool in and the gang, and he was a music producer as well. Very instrumental in helping Teddy Riley get his start also. Um, so Royal introduced us to a man by the name of Steve Manning. Now, now, Steve Manning was like a family member of the Jackson 5, right? The Jacksons. Uh, he was there first. He was he he started as president of their fan club, and he was in CBS and all these things. And he was like like really a family member of the Jacksons. So he took a liking to us, and um, he brought other people involved with us and stuff. And um, we started staying at Rick Roberts' house. Um, Rick took us in because he wanted us to be close together and rehearse every day and stuff, and we was down for that. So uh, in no time, you know, they said, we were in the studio and they were shopping, shopping us, trying to get us a record deal, and doors were slamming in our faces left and right. They liked us, but not something they wanted to do at the time.
0: Right. Uh, Damon, you mentioned Rick Roberts. Rick Roberts, of course, was 4x4's uh, manager. You also mentioned Teddy Riley, another legend. Uh, singer, songwriter, producer extraordinaire. Uh, Damon, let me ask you this, man. As you guys are getting shot down by record labels, what was the mentality of the group at that point in time? Were you guys thinking about giving up at any point or was it just, hey, you know what? We're going to keep at this and we're going to keep moving forward.
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, being young like that and seeing your manager come home, we're waiting by the door. And when he comes in, you can kind of read his face to see if it was a goal, if it wasn't, when we saw that look of disappointment. Like, we would cry at times, like, because we knew we were good, but we were like, you know, why, you know, why won't a label want to take us on? Like, what is it? Until one label, Elektra, said, I want to sign them. I see the vision. These kids are great. I want them. And then the man was named Gregory Peck. And at that time, Anita Baker was the new star of that label. And she had gotten into a run-in with him. He was an R, and he lost. he lost that battle and his job. So our deal went down the train. So we were crushed by that also. We finally got there. A label about to take us on. Then that just dissolved.
0: Yeah, man, I hear you. Seems like a pretty common theme, uh, you know, stories like you just told in regards to the, uh, the music business. Uh, Damon, how old were you guys at this point in time?
1: Oh gosh, mm, young teenager. Like we were teens, we were in our teens. But we, like you, you said, "Or well, like how do we feel? Like do we keep going? Our whole spirit was like, we knew we were going to make it. from watching Soul Train every week growing up and you have that vision that you're going to be on that stage because um, that was the biggest uh, television show for music, that and bandstand those days, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, we had that no-quit attitude. No matter what, this dream will come to fruition. We kept pushing.
0: Cool, cool. I like it. Uh, how did you guys come up with the name 4x4?
1: Ha. We were called, you know, when you're coming up with a name and you got to hurry up because the record company's like, OK, what's the name? We were called the 4 Floor at first. <laughs> Why the fourth floor? Because we couldn't come up with anything. And we lived on the floor floor, um, Lance and I. Steve lived on the fourth floor. Uh Bill Underwood's office was on the fourth floor. Our other manager, Steve Manning, lived on the fourth floor. Crazy. Everybody, everything was fourth floor. So we said, hey, the fourth floor. We called ourselves the fourth floor. Sure. But they printed up, want you for my girlfriend, all these single sleeves to find out a group in Canada had the name. So we had to change it. Oh
0: wow. And if you
1: ever had a 12 inch of Want You For My Girlfriend, if you look at the back of the sleeve, the back, it still says four floor. They just changed all the artwork on the front of the cover, but the sleeve still <laughs> had four floor. So they had hundreds of thousands of, 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 of singles that they had to change the artwork on.
0: Wow, that's pretty crazy.
1: They did a name search in a group in Canada I was like, ah, that's, that's our name. So I thought of 4x4. Four four.
0: There you go. It's got a nice ring to it. It works.
1: Yeah. And it ringed even better. Yeah. It had a better ring to it than four Floor. So I was like, hey, it was 1-4, 4x4. And we all looked at each other. 4x4. Four four. We did a name search. And it wasn't taking the number 4, B-Y, and then you spell 4 out, F-O-U-R was right there, so we were like, that's
0: it. And there you go. Yep. That's a great story. Okay, Damon, so uh, back to the story, man. Uh, the deal with Elettra, you know, basically dissolves. That goes away. So what happens next?
1: Um, doors was, like I said, doors were slamming on our faces. A lot of the, um, the, the labels, was, they liked us, but they wouldn't, you know, go to that next step until... A man by the name of Wayne Edwards, he came from l a from Capitol Records. He flew to New York to meet us and um, I remember us having a meeting with him and this is funny because Andre Harrell at the time was looking for we knew, we were staying in Lerac City in Queens with our manager and Andre Harrell ha- had a studio apartment in the next building, and Kenny Anderson, the bass and he um n b a legend he lived in the building with us, and we would see him all the time. And, we were all so young. And I remember the meeting at Capitol Records with Wayne, Andre Harrell was looking to land his uh Uptown label with a major. He was looking for a home also. And his meeting was after, all, so he asked, Hey, could I sit in and watch? And we were like, Yeah, sure. Cause we hadn't we knew him from Left Rock City and him being a rapper and stuff and going to his studio apartment sometimes. So when we went in the office, Wayne Edwards, he said, "Um, okay, no, no, guys, just let me hear you sing. And we wanted to perform in that small office. So he was like, no, just sing. And we were like, yo, we've been rehearsing for two months straight. (laughs) We're performing. We want want the opportunity. I don't care if it's one person, two people. We're going to perform.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) So we
1: moved the desk out the way. And we're in that office singing. I'm doing back flips, and we're splitting and all this stuff. Nice. And he was blown away. Andre was blown away. And he he said, I want to sign this group. I'm going to LA. I'm going to let the whole label know. Step Johnson and, and the team um, CEO, I think at the time, was Joe Smith. I'm going to let them know we have a new group. And <laughs> you don't know the feeling that, that came over us, man. Like, finally.
0: Had to feel good.
1: Right. But there's a saying in the music business that it's never fine, it's not final until it's on vinyl. Right. So after that, um, you know, we were finishing the album and they were sending us songs and stuff. And they sent us Want You for My Girlfriend. That song we didn't really like, <laughs> to be honest. Why? Because it had a, it, it wasn't a East Coast sound, it had like a more West type of sound. And, We're four guys from the Bronx, from New York City, right? Yeah. And so there was, we wanted a a sound that had the flavor that that represented New York. And they wanted that to be our first single too. And we were young. We didn't have no say-so, so so we had to do what we were told.
0: Wow, man. Very cool story. I like it. Uh, Damon, I'm going to attempt to summarize what you just said. So uh, you guys do eventually get signed to Capitol Records. Um, I like how you mentioned that when you guys went in to meet with wayne edwards you didn't just want to sing but you wanted to perform that's very cool i like that and it's very random and also very cool that of all people andre harrell sat in on that meeting with you guys that's very cool he's kind of a legend in his own right uh andre harrell would go on to form uptown records would also become president and ceo i believe of motown records uh you mentioned kenny anderson Very random. The basketball player, uh, Kenny Anderson, would have a fantastic NBA career, played with the Nets, played with the Celtics, and a bunch of other NBA teams. Damon, uh, looking back on it now, when you guys performed for Wayne Edwards, do you remember what songs you guys performed?
1: We did, uh, oh gosh, I think we did around four or five songs in that office that day. We did Smokin'. We probably did Mommy Daddy. Uh we didn't have Come Over yet, because we they got that song for us. We didn't have Want You for My Girlfriend. What would we do? We probably did a Jackson, Jackson's, I'll be there. I'm not sure. Probably a foursome D song, because that we would do some Foursome D's, Let Me Love You. Um and probably Half Crazy by Johnny Gill. I remember us doing some shows at different high schools with the band, and that was one of the songs we would do.
0: Very cool. Certainly can't go wrong with uh, Johnny Gill or the Force and D's, uh, which the Force and D's, Damon, we will talk about in just a little bit, man. Uh, but, Damon, wanted to ask you, uh, as you mentioned, you guys are teenagers at this point in time. Uh, what do your parents think uh, about this whole process that you guys are going through?
1: Oh, you know, my mom always had that you you can do it. You can do it, son. You can do it. You will do it. You can do it. Always pushed us. My, my pops was always supportive too like if we had basketball games or we had a rap battle in the street or whatever he was always there that's great he was in the cut just there cheering us on he's more laid back but just us knowing he's there watching was like a boost of um confidence
0: okay very cool so throughout the whole process your parents are supportive very supportive that's good stuff man okay so damon let's move forward uh you guys ink the deal you sign with capital records what happens next
1: Oh, man. So what happens? We're back home rehearsing. Now we really, we're in a re- um, re- rehearsal studio with the mirrors now. We're getting uh, all the steps, choreography tighter. They sent us, want you for my girlfriend to learn it and record it, that they were going to fly the producers out
0: uh, for us to go in the studio and record it. So what do you mean? And, sorry, man. So what do you mean they'd send it to you? What does that mean? Okay.
1: So they would forward the song to us. Like back then, it was like a tape cassette. Sure. They'd say, uh, this is the song we want you guys to learn. It's going to go on your album.
0: Gotcha. OK.
1: So we would listen to it, learn it, and wait for the studio date so we could go in and record our vocals on it.
0: I see. Who wrote uh, Want You For My Girlfriend?
1: Um, Chris Dixon. He was from LA. And Chuck Jackson who happens to be a younger brother of Reverend Jesse Jackson? Oh, wow, crazy. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that Chuck Jackson, he had hits with Natalie Cole, and so he's a good writer. I think he even wrote, where do broken hearts go? Or Whitney Houston. I think he had something to do with writing that.
0: Wow, cool, I never knew that. Um, yeah. How are those guys to work with?
1: But Chuck Jackson is good. These are cool dudes, but we were, and we did it, they sent us another song, Problems too, that went on our album. Mind you, we weren't crazy about those songs. If, if we had all say, there would have been some other songs that we, that, you know, I was doing so much writing back then, and so was Steve because of Steve. Um, we wanted other songs on the album that didn't make the album.
0: Yeah, I hear you, man. And uh, Damon, you hear about it all the time, um, you know, creative differences between the artist and the label. Uh, So how is all this playing out for you guys? You guys are young. You're excited to be signed to the label. um, But it's like these guys are, it's like already, right? It's the beginning of, uh, you know, the label just kind of, I don't know, however you want to call it, man, like force feeding you guys, right? You kind of want to do your own thing. The label has their idea of what they want. So how was that to deal with? And were the creative differences already starting at the very beginning?
1: Yes, absolutely. Especially let me just um, tell you, I was a writer. I always had these these adults in these music industry people like saying, this guy is a great writer at his age. Oh my gosh. And I was always at at like Tracy Morgan, a comedian. Like we grew up in the same neighborhood and I would go to his house at night. His dad was like a Lionel Richie. <laughs> this man was, was a, a genius at songwriting. He had a band and I would go there he would train my ear and and just hearing him write songs I picked up you know little little tips of how to structure my songwriting and stuff like that so I would see Tracy Morgan in the in the house and he'd see me there like oh he's here for my dad again he's here for my cuz his dad would call me and say hey could you come tonight at 7:30 and I'd walk down the block and go but it was just me. Like a lot of times, I would go and work with these these producers and and people like that. So I kind of was a little spoiled in a way. I wanted my way. Sure. Right. And when I and it did, it, 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 I had a, a rude awakening to the business that it's not going to happen like that. You're going to have to do what they tell you to do. And I did it. You know what I mean? I didn't like it, but I did it. I wasn't going to rock the boat like that but then they sent us come over come over we loved that was by melvin riley jr from ready for the world uh we just felt that it didn't sound like us it sounded exactly like them so there were some background parts that i came up with that we were like oh yes this is going to give it more flavor like it's going to give sound like us a little more so when we flew out to detroit to, do, to record the song, I remember it was freezing out there. It was wintertime. And here's another rude awakening that, that, I, that I had. Here we go. All of those parts that I added, he was like, mm, Gone. Nah. <laughs> so, But we were tight. We were in the studio like this dude here. But we didn't like him. We liked him but didn't like him because the creative part, like, I'm like, come on, man.
0: Exactly. But
1: he did manage to keep a couple parts. Like there's a part when I said, Baby, bring your love, love to me. me. Yeah. That's, he kept that in the song. Nice. And at the end when it said, I'm all alone. Where was it? Me and the telephone. And baby, it don't ring. The part, no ring-a-ling, no ring a link it don't ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if you hear it, fades it right on it. So you can't really hear it. But, but he kept it in the song. It's like, yeah, I'm going to keep it there. But I'm going to fade it out right on it. So, um, you know, being young and wanting your way—you know what I mean? I see you laughing. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm yeah. trying not to
0: laugh over you, man. But uh, it's like, Damon, you can't win, man. That's uh, that's kind of funny, man. But uh, uh, another random name drop, Damon. This is fantastic. Uh, Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Wow, the comedian. Yeah. That's another uh, random person. Uh, when was the last time you saw Tracy Morgan?
1: Last I saw him, uh, he he sent the car to come get me. I was on um in Manhattan, I think 40 Times Square area. Like, where are you? I said, Trace, I'm doing something. No, 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 give me that, text me the address. <laughs> He's, he sends a car to get me and takes me, and, and, and it took me all the way to his house in um uh Alpine, New Jersey, which is not too far from me. And um yeah, I spent a little time there. We had a great time, we just chilled there at the table there talking and stuff.
0: That's great, man, a very funny dude. Hilarious. Spoony Love from up above. If anybody watches Crank Anchors, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, Damon, let's pick up with the story, man. You guys are in the process of recording Want You For My Girlfriend, correct?
1: I want You For My Girlfriend and Problems too.
0: Okay, gotcha. So you guys are also working on Problems too as well. So what happens next?
1: Um, so when they came to, they flew into, the flew the producers, uh, Chuck Jackson and Chris Dixon to New York. We met them. We, oh, we weren't crazy about the songs, like I say, but we didn't hate them. Sure. But we weren't crazy about them. But, but we fell in love with those two dudes. They were like great guys. And um, we recorded the songs. And so now it's like a waiting game.
0: So how long does it take to record a song?
1: Mm, we recorded Want You For My Girlfriend in one day. Like that was about probably five five hour studio session. We were in and out. We knocked that out probably less than that. We knocked that out pretty quick. Cause Steve took the, did the leads. I did some of the the harmonies with him, and then um the rest of us we Lance and Jay and I and Steve we did all the backgrounds. Um, it wasn't it didn't take that long. Problems too. We went on another day, <clears throat> and that one was even quicker. We all sung lead on there on that one. And then they sent us come over, which was our other top ten Billboard hit uh Come over, like I said, we like. But this time, they're not sending him to us; they're sending us out to him, to uh, Michigan. Like I said, we we flew out there. It was freezing, and uh, we knocked. it We were mad. Well, I was young and angry in the studio because he's cutting all those parts <laughs> I made up. He's like, "Nope, that's not going in there. Nope, that's not going in the song." And that's why, even though the song it was so, had, so, we had so much success with the song. But even to this day you have a lot of people that say, Oh, I always thought that was ready for the world. I always thought that I was looking um the class I teach music. They they always ask me, Could we hear some of your stuff? Listen, So I go to YouTube, they say, Oh man, you have over a million hits on that song. <laughs> These kids they go off of that stuff. I like, yeah, that was a big, big record for us. Um and you read some of the comments of people, they Oh, I thought it was ready for the world. I thought it was... and that's Part of the reason why I wanted to add more of those backgrounds, because they didn't do a lot of harmonies, and we did. So that would have definitely differentiated, you know, they would have been able to um, see the difference.
0: Sure, makes sense. And um, Damon, you mentioned Come Over a little bit earlier. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but not really in depth. And uh, obviously, I want to talk about that song, as that is the song that you guys are probably the most well-known for. Um, When you guys go out to, also want to talk about Melvin Riley, of course, lead singer of the group Ready for the World. Uh, You guys are young guys. You're flying out to Detroit to work with Melvin Riley. Um, At that point in time, do you guys know what you're about to get into, that you're about to work with Melvin Riley? Because at that point in time, Ready for the World was pretty well established. So did you guys have any idea who you were about to actually work with?
1: Oh man, we were big we were ready for the world fans. We loved we loved Melvin Raleigh. Like this guy was like a, a a younger prince. Like he wrote all of so he played on all those and he played I believe 11 or 12 different instruments. He had five number one records. So the record company was big on him. Like he had five straight number one hits. Right? So they said we want we want some of his magic for our new group. So we was down for it. We just wanted to add a little more of our flavor to the song. But we loved the song. No doubt. We thought it was dope to work with Melvin. It's a cool dude.
0: Yeah, I bet. That's cool, man. Uh, so, Damon, in a situation like that, when you guys fly out to Detroit, um, do you guys hang out a little bit? Do you go out with Melvin? Are you in the city for a few days? Or is that pretty much a quick process? Um, you fly in, you fly out type deal?
1: No, we were in and out. We flew out there. We knocked those vocals out that day. He took us to dinner that night and we were back on the airplane going back home the next day.
0: Wow, that's pretty quick. Uh, Damon, you touched upon it a little bit earlier. And uh, yeah, man, when you listen to Come Over, that has, I tell you, man, and you know it, that has Melvin Riley's uh, fingerprint all over it, man. That is a ready for the world song. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you dice it, that sounds just like ready for the world. I mean, I'm right in that, correct?
1: Right. And that that's that even though as dope as the song is and we love it and you know it took us places. We always felt like it wasn't our sound. Awesome. So here's three songs that the record company got for us. They were good songs, but we just didn't think that it represented who we were. Don't I don't and I don't say that to sound um in a bad way because They were successful, right? Um, But there's some producers that you get with that's telling me, I mean, Come Over was a huge hit. It was great for us. But we just felt that in order to break through so we could have our identity and our sound, we just wanted to add a little more of our flavor to it.
0: Yeah, no, man, it makes perfectly good sense. And uh, by me saying that it sounds exactly like Ready for the World is not a knock on the song whatsoever because um, I tell you what, man, Melvin... He nailed it, right? I mean, he did a bang up job on that song. There's no doubt about it. He killed it. Yep.
1: Melvin's the dude. He's that dude. He's a great dude, man. And I I speak to him every now and again. All those guys are great dudes. I got love for Melvin. We were on a I was singing with the Force of D's a few years ago, um, who are my brothers also, right? And we were on a cruise with Tom Joyner. And um and as a matter of fact, I remember us talking with um guy that was doing the book, and we was like how about ready for the world how about um troop how about so next and they got ready for the world on that show on that cruise also so melvin and i we got to hang out we hadn't seen each other so long oh that's cool yeah
0: so damon let me ask you this man um in a situation like that with a guy like melvin riley um where that song sounds I mean, come on, basically just like Ready for the World. Right. Why would he not just record that himself and make that a Ready for the World song?
1: Right. Um, when, you are, when you're a dope writer and you're a dope producer like he is, um, you could come up with a hundred of those. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So to give one away was nothing for him.
0: Yeah, got it, man. Makes sense. I mean, a guy like that could probably you know, write a song like that and produce a song like that in his sleep. Uh, Damon, you sang it a little bit earlier i helped you along a little bit too and i sounded probably like an idiot but um we didn't really talk about that part but yeah uh to me in the song come over uh the baby bring your love to me that's it man i mean that to me that part right there makes that song oh thank you thank you thank you
1: baby bring your love to me yeah i came up with that i had actually a few like little look, look when steve says it's 12 o'clock, it's late enough for me. I had a part that went, 12 o'clock, late enough, late enough for me. Like, we had
0: harmonies. Nice.
1: Late enough for me. It was so smooth, man. But he wouldn't let those go in. <laughs> he was like, nope. <laughs> and that right there would have showed people, oh, OK, this is, oh, this is, Um, they would have they known, like, it wasn't straight uh, ready for the world sound
0: yeah that's good stuff man and a bit unfortunate that some of those parts weren't able to go into the song so damon let me ask you this man Mm -hmm. um you're not having a whole lot of creative say with the record label you fly out to detroit to work with melvin riley uh you don't have a whole lot of creative say with him he's pretty much calling the shots so Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of you know creativity that you guys are able to put into your songs uh what are you kind of thinking at this point and what's your mindset in regards to that
1: well basically you know and, and you got to respect it though because he had the track record he had the formula he had the number one hit with old he had the let me love you down all those hits you know slide over baby like he had i mean whatever he touched was turning to go so although we wanted those parts, we wanted, it wasn't just me, we wanted those parts and to give it so that people would know we had a sound, like it didn't sound exactly like them. Um, we were still happy to be working with them and happy to have the song. And even more, see, let me say, let me just say this too. And I tell people this all the time. Cause I work with a lot of young people, right? And I say, and a lot of times when I am working with young artists, they don't like the direction you're giving them. They always have some pushback. They remind me of me. Um, Christina Aguilera, she hated Genie in a bottle. But you never hear those artists when they go to the acceptance speech for the Grammy. Um, I wanna say something. Uh I don't I can't accept this award because I hated this record. <laughs> you never hear that part of it, right? You just hear the you hear the positive parts. Right. But if you knew the story behind it, it's always a story
0: behind it. Sure. Sure. Of course, uh Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera was a huge hit for her. Um, Damon, there is a video for Come Over. Uh, tell me about the video.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, ooh, we flew out to L.A., and we were always happy to go. We used to say them fornias. Oh, we're going back to them fornias. So we, were, uh, we had, to, did we do Soul Train yet? I know, I know we flew out there for our album release party with so many stars. I grew up watching on television and movies was there to see us. And that was like, we had to pinch ourselves. Then we flew back out there to to do Soul Train. Then they flew us back out there. So we were going back and forth to LA a lot. They flew us out there to do the video, Come Over. And they were kind of pampering us a little bit because our first single, Want You For My Girlfriend, which went number eight on the Billboard chart, at the end of the video, we had some outfits on that we hated. That wasn't us. Um, And we got a lot of flack for, we got laughed at with those outfits, right? It was a Hawaiian party and it was a theme to it. But we was like, that is not who we are. Do we have to wear that outfit? And if you go back and look at it, like if I show that video to somebody, I cut it right before it gets to that part. That's great. So, but when you see come over video, they took us to a boutique in, in, out in um, Rodeo Drive, right? Heck yeah. And they let us pick our own outfits out. Nice. So when you see the swag, you see the whole difference. When you see us in that video and you see the outfits we have on, well, we all picked our own clothes. They let us do it to make up to us for what happened with the first video.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. You know,
1: it was kind of like, okay, let's pamper them a little bit. And we were happy and we see the success of the song.
0: Wow, Damon, that's a great story, man. Um, as you said, because the label realizes that they made a mistake in the uh, "Want You for My Girlfriend" video by the clothes that they put you guys in at the end of the video, they let you guys go to Rodeo Drive and pick out your outfits for the come over video. And Damon, no offense, man, it's all good because I know you had nothing to do with it. But those outfits that they put you guys in at the end of that video are absolutely horrific, man. Exactly, they are horrific. Whoever put you guys in those outfits, should have been fired right on the spot, man. Damon, the come over video, the models in the video, who were they?
1: Oh, gosh, um, some models. I know in the Want You For My Girlfriend video, I remember Kirsty Bowser. She was in the Tender Love video for The Force of Ds. She was in, I uh, want you for my girlfriend. She was um, a, a, a super teen model at the time. But, but in the Come Over video, I, I couldn't recall their names. I know they were really cool, cool girls that they picked. Um, yeah.
0: Good stuff, man. Uh, so, Damon, in a situation like that, when you guys go to L.A., do uh, you guys get to hang out, check out the city a little bit, or is it pretty much in and out?
1: Oh, no, no, no. um. We hung out. That we would always go to nice restaurants. Always Roscoe's. Like I don't think there's a time I ever went to LA, and I've been there millions of times. You know, Roscoe's, the chicken and waffles Heck joint. Heck yeah, man. Um, on Sunset and Gower. Yep. <laughs> and then they have other ones we went to. We got to hang out. They like we would go to Disney. They would um, set us up with Universal Studios tickets, and they would put us at the front of the line of everything. Drive us around all through the park and stuff like that.
0: Nice, man. You guys were getting that special treatment. Damon, you are talking my language now, man. Dude, I don't know how many times on this podcast, as many times as I've plugged Roscoe's, man, they should send me like some chicken and waffles or like a gift certificate or something. But uh, yeah, dude, um, whenever we go out to LA, me and my wife, man, it's like tradition for us. We land at LAX and we go straight to Roscoe's, man, every single time the one on Pico. Yep.
1: You got to do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, you have to. Can't go wrong with Roscoe's. Yep. Oh man, that is great, man. That is great. Love Roscoe's. Damon, moving right along, man. um, At this point in time, you guys are still teenagers. You're obviously in school. So I wanted to ask you about that. How was schooling working for you guys back then?
1: Well, okay. Well, Lance, Steve, and myself, they put us in a private school because um, that school was cool with us missing, going, traveling, and being back as long as we had the work turned in. So we were in Burrow Hall Academy. But Stephanie Mills went there. You had some soap opera kids and stuff like that. So we enrolled in that school. Jay had, Jay had went to, he had did one year college because he had left school early on a GED, but he went to college with it one year. And I remember him calling me saying, yo, man, I'm coming back. So he dropped out of college because he didn't want to miss being with us.
0: Yeah, for sure. I could uh, definitely appreciate that. Uh, Damon, so... What was it like in school, man? I mean, that had to be a, uh, that had to be a trip. I mean, at this point in time, you guys are now, uh, I mean, y'all are celebrities, man. I mean, you got, you know, songs that are out. Your music's getting played on the radio. You have music videos that are out. Um, what was it like in school? And what was it like with the girls in school?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we were school celebrities. But you got to this school was only... A hundred and it was less than two hundred people in the school from first to twelfth grade. It was a little building. But we um we you know the girls were after us. We were yeah. flirting back and forth. Right. They, I remember you know we had so much fun. They would say, write little notes in the class, where y'all going to lunch, right? Where y'all going for lunch? And we would always lie. We would always say we're going <laughs> we <we're> go in somewhere. <laughs> and we would see them at the lockers and we rush out of the building. And run down the block somewhere else, so then when we they saw us in the next class, they'd come in rolling <laughs> rolling their eyes at us <laughs> sucking the teeth and we'd be sitting there laughing
0: that's great, oh man, yeah, oh man, that's awesome. Damon had to be a blast man, I mean, it had to be just tons of fun,
1: lots of fun, you know, young kids having a good time and stuff,
0: oh yeah, for sure, that's awesome, man, uh Damon. Uh, back in the day, any sort of support from MTV or BET? Not MTV.
1: BET, Donnie Simpson. Um, J- BET was showing us mad, oh, mad love. We had Video Music Box. All the video channels were showing us love. The magazines, you got to remember, we were on the covers of all those teeny magazines. Right on magazine. To this day, I got cats like, oh my gosh. like um, You guys stayed on the magazines. You guys was on the cover of all the magazines. We were getting love. We were recept- received very well. I mean, we were getting chased through airports, and we'd go in a mall. It was, it was a rap. They were tearing up the record shops, and we, we would do a show at a high school. They have to, I mean, get the, all the security and stuff to, just to get us through the hallways.
0: Okay, wow. So that I didn't realize about you guys. So it was like that with you all.
1: Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> it was. Wow. And remember, we, we toured, too. We toured a lot. We were on the, that Fresh Fest. Um, it was the Fat Boys, Salt and Pepper, Heavy D and the Boys, Dana Dane. It was us, and um certain nights you would have the two live crew, and depending depending upon where we were, Florida area and different places, they would be on the show. So we were we would we we were turning places out. We just didn't like the fact that we were only singing group on a rap tour. That was another thing that we felt like you know put us on a singing tour, put us on a, a tour with some other R and B groups like that
0: yeah and let's talk about that damon because what you just said makes sense to me and i'm not even in the music business or the music industry so yeah i mean that's kind of interesting that they would put you guys on that bill right dana dane uh salt and pepper uh heavy d and the boys the fat boys uh two live crew of all groups and then there's four by four yeah to me that doesn't make sense so what was that about and how did that happen
1: what happened was our man, our manager, he got us on this tour. Um, we always felt like, okay, we're going on tour, but um, where's the singing groups? Right, right. We're the only. Like you got to understand at that time, even though we had hits, it got us over. But there were some markets that we went in that they wanted to hear all rap. They didn't want to hear singing. Like you in a rap show, you, you, you know, it was hardcore. These rap. We come out singing this soft stuff. (laughs) It just wasn't the right mesh. But being that we were who we were, and our stage show was incredible, um, and we did have hits, face recognition, magazines, television all the time. You know, we were respected and sold a lot of tickets for the show. Um, We even went from like opening act to supporting act. We went on. We would open up the show, and then after a few weeks. We were going on right before Fat Boys, who were headlined in the show.
0: Nice. Uh, Damon, wanted to ask you this, man. Um, in regards to your cousin, Steve Gray, the lead vocalist, uh, I'm trying to figure out if this was planned by the record label and 4x4's team, if you will, but is it me, man? Or, you know, is there a lot of... I hear quite a bit of Ralph Tresvant in his voice. I hear Michael Jackson in his voice. Was that planned, or is that pretty much the way that Steve sings?
1: Um, Okay. Definitely Michael Jackson. We never used to, well, definitely with the baby voice and stuff, you would hear some some Ralph, um, but we always heard Michael. Even down to they used to say, oh, he looks like Michael, right? This face structure. You got to re- remember, we were heavily influenced by the Jacksons. Sure, That's who we wanted to be like. And Steve just happened to sound like Michael. Like he doesn't fake that. That's his voice. He just was born with the voice to sound like Michael Jackson. Gotcha. Like he did a Lady of My Life remake a few years ago. Oh my gosh, you would think parts of it would sound just like Michael. So the record company and stuff, you know, with Michael having a big success with Thriller and stuff. And let me just say, we got a lot of flack about, all oh, they trying to be like New Edition and stuff. Let me tell you something, and for the record, we love New Edition. Like a lot of people thought that, well, we were trying to competition and this, that, and the third. We, lo- we had love for them. We loved what they were doing. But we wasn't. We didn't come in the game trying to be like them. I think that they had the same goals and desires that we did. They were trying to be like the Jackson 5. They were in Boston. We were in New, New York. What happened was they got their break earlier than us. And we was happy. When they came out with Candy Girl, forget it. That was our jam. That was our joint. Yeah. But we, were, like in interviews, they would ask us, Are you guys, and we didn't – like raise the torch yeah we're trying to be like new edition because that wasn't the case our thing was the jacksons we wanted to be like the jackson pop the jacksons that was our thing not taken away from how dope new edition was at all we loved them but we just was like trying to be like the jacksons that was our thing too
0: yeah i hear you man and i think probably you know any group that would have come after or around the time of New Edition, there would have always been comparisons, right? Well, they're trying to be New Edition and so forth and so on. But uh, yeah, totally get what you're saying, man. Uh, Damon, let's talk about uh, another song that you guys released, Don't Put the Blame on Me. That went to number 72 on the R&B charts. Um, I dig it, man. I dig that song. That's a good jam.
1: Let's talk about that. Now, that was our mentor, um, Charles Sedell Carter from the group Slave. Just a touch of love, a little bit. All of you know he wrote those songs with Steve Arrington. He's from Dayton, Ohio. He spent a lot of time. He actually lived with us with our manager Rick at the, um, for over a year. So he taught me how to produce songs, how to write, like structure them, and how to start doing production. I learned from him. Okay. On the four track back then, and um, so and we were in the house, and I was the last one to that song. Mind you, I was like the one always writing, right? Right. But I came in the house and they already had this song, and it was like, hey, look what we got!" And I was like, "I felt like, oh man, I was left out of this one." Yeah. So they, so I got on it at the end and added my little stuff on it. That's why at the end I'm like, "Don't you, girl? Don't you, girl?" Screaming at the end on it and stuff, and we did it on Soul Train. Right when my part was coming, they faded. <laughs> i was like, "Oh man, come on, ten more seconds." Um. But yeah, don't put the blame on me. And we did it in our show also was, a, was, was one of our favorites. Now, that was more our flavor. And Jay led that one.
0: Yeah, that's a good jam, man. Um, Damon, while I'm thinking about it, man, want to circle back around really quickly uh, to the tour that you mentioned. And I'm going to let you go soon, man, because I know we're getting pretty long here. But uh, the tour that you guys were on, looking back on that now, um, do you think that being on that tour – hurt your career or hurt 4x4's career? Um, I wouldn't say it hurt us.
1: We got off of the tour because we were begging to get off and get on something else. Okay. And part of the reason that we got off of the tour was because, and I got to be totally honest about it, a lot of people wonder, they said, what happened to you guys' career and stuff? Like, we, our manager was, we wasn't getting the money we should have been getting
0: yeah and there it is, man. um not surprising at all those stories are a dime a dozen in the music industry, and that was gonna lead me to my next question Damon um did you guys see any money?
1: We saw some money, but we didn't see the money we were supposed we should have we we didn't see it yep um then it got when it came down to it there was there was um a fallout with us and a the manager, then we were getting shows and we were took it matters in our own hands and we we didn't have the wardrobe we had to start from scratch with that bills that we thought were being everybody was suing us he wasn't paying our bills
0: Jeez, man what a mess like
1: we were all messed up and we were, remember we're young
0: oh for sure of
1: course but we we trusted this this guy so things were like got all jacked up to the point where like, people, like, we told the record label, we felt like, look, we're young kids and nobody's helping us. Like, we're being taken advantage of. Some artists, some groups just go on and continue to go on. But we felt like if we're going to do this and not make the money and then they're going to be the ones buying the houses and this and the third, we're not going to do it. That's just, that was our take on it.
0: Yeah, I can't blame you, man. And, uh, geez, I mean, just, uh, it's so bad, man. It's just such a shifty business. Um, Damon, so, and we won't get into all the details, man, because I know that stuff can go, you know, pretty deep, and you know, it's, a lot of it's pretty confusing and all that, but uh, Damon, so, is that essentially at that point, the end of 4x4?
1: It wasn't yet. The record company um, flew us back out there the next year. They wanted to start on the second album. They even mentioned um, Teddy Riley doing production on us, and I was like, cool, like, I know Teddy. Like, before we Blew up before he blew up. We we knew each other. You know what I'm saying. We would be at the you hear, um, the rooftop skating rink in the movies like Paid in Full. They show a scene with them in the skate rink. That was our hangout. Like I would go there. And I'd see Teddy in there. We and we just talk all night. We forget we were there to party or roller skate. We just hang out and just talk, talk, talk. Go outside and talk and stuff like that.
0: That's cool, man. So I know there is no second album by Four by Four. What happened with that?
1: We were working on it, but it never came out. We never, and we had, we thought Capital Records. We thought somehow that they would be able to help us, like with this problems that we had, and it seemed like nobody was. So we asked them like, just let us out.
0: So, I guess amazingly, your record label, Capital Records, isn't helping you guys out. Um, you guys have lawsuits going on, which I'm sure was just a complete mess. So. Now, at this point in time, Damon, is that pretty much the end of 4x4?
1: Pretty much. I mean, we did some shows here and there. We we did some things. But the second album, we were putting songs together, stuff like that. But it was like we were tied up.
0: Yeah. So when it all just kind of dissolves and goes away, what do you guys do?
1: Um, Steve tried to do a solo. Well, I know Steve was working on some solo projects. Um, I remember Jay Lance and myself. We did some commercials with um some um some voice like singing on some commercials. We got paid from doing those things. The checks were pretty nice okay um we did uh oh gosh, what did we do and um, you just wait for the phones you know to call see what what comes and stuff but you 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 survive you try to survive i know my bro- my brother you know he didn't take it too well and he had um some some bad uh some mental things happen he's been dealing with for since then way back then, you know we just had to take jobs and stuff what well, you know you got to do what you gotta do to survive
0: yeah, for sure, you
1: know if that doesn't work, you got to do something else if that doesn't work, you do something else. so we're doing things in music like writing um production. I've done a lot since then. It's not like, oh, that was it and I never did anything else. That's not, you know. Right. I've done production for Bad Boy. I've done hit stuff stuff that been commercialized overseas. I've um I've tried other types of Nicki Minaj or girl groups. I put I've done a lot with with artists and other people, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh sorry to hear about your brother Damon. That's very unfortunate. Um but staying on uh, the theme of things that you've done—I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Want to go ahead and ask you about that now, Damon? And that is uh, the Four S M Ds. Of course, you were a member for a few years uh, with those guys—a legendary R and B group that has gone through, you know, a wide variety of members through the years. Uh, tell me about your time with the Four Ds.
1: Yeah. Um, well. If we go back to the four by four days, like we'll be in one room with our band rehearsing at Rocket Studios, and they'll be down the hall with their band rehearsing. So we knew each other, like way back, right? We we knew each other. We go sit in and watch them rehearse. They come check us out for five, ten minutes, and then leave out. So we go back, and you know they unfortunately had deaths in the group, like people like TC Mercury passed away so young, and then TC passed away. Um, a couple of years ago. So, so they like, they, they needed somebody that they knew could sing, knew could fit in. And they Khalil had contacted me. Like, they you know, we really could use you, man. And, and I was like, well, let me see. So a year later, he, he had called me again. And I was like, okay, it's something I prayed about. I was like, okay, you know, let's do it. And I remember going to the first rehearsal with them. It was Khalil, Steve, and myself. And um, they was like, okay, we're going to sing this song and date the note. And I had to tell them, look, 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 just sing what y'all sing. I know the song. I'll fit in the harmonies. I know everything. Like, (laughs) harmony is my thing. Vocal arrangement is my thing. Yeah. All I got, I hear what y'all doing. I fit in the next note. I just know how to blend it. I got it. And they were like. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, all right, y'all ain't got to change nothing, no altar. Do what y'all want to do, and I'll just add the harmonies. Nice. Because I know the songs, and I know harmony. So let's go. So that was like quick. <laughs> so that was
0: quick. That's awesome. You're like, I got this, guys. That's great, Damon. Um, yeah. With your time with the Force D's, did you guys produce any new music? We put a single out.
1: We put a song out. I wrote, I wrote a song called One Two Step. I got with my partner, Magic, as a producer. We did the track. He did the track, and I wrote the song, and Steve, myself, and Khalil, we did it. We put it out, and it was, doing, it was doing pretty well. We did it in some shows and stuff. They had a little buzz going.
0: Nice. So you eventually end up leaving the Force MDs. Uh, what was your reasoning behind that?
1: Uh, I had a little daughter. Yep, there you go. And um, a lot of our shows dragged me away.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Like, and
1: she was so little, and I you was know, traveling a lot, and I wanted to be there for her. You know the first steps, the first words, and all those things. I, you know, and but I'm at an age too. Like money doesn't like move me. Like yeah, money is a good to have. Money's great, right? But I'm more mission over money. I started working with the, with the at the high school at the same time, and I would go on the weekend. I would leave the school and go straight to the airport, and then be back in class on Monday morning.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, you got a daughter. Right, uh, you got school to teach, you got class to be in. I mean, that's, that's a lot, man. Yeah. That's a lot. It was a lot, right? And then I want to be home with my daughter more. Certainly a valid reason, that's for sure. Damon, we're getting there, man. We're almost done. A few more questions for you. Um, for the people that are listening, they might be thinking to themselves, yeah, man, I'm going you know, to go listen to some 4x4 music. I'll get on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever it may be. Damon, that music is nowhere to be found unless you go to YouTube. Um, a lot of the stuff uh, by 4x4 is on YouTube, but as far as Apple Music goes, forget it. Spotify, forget it. Any idea as to why that is, Damon? What's the reasoning behind that?
1: Um, well, it's out of, um, it's out of uh, what's the word for it? Um, it's been discontinued with Capitol Records, but I'm planning on resurfacing it real soon nice how are you gonna do that well, well well a lot of the songs on the album we wrote so we have the copyrights to them we can do that um except for um i'm gonna call up melvin will come over we didn't right and we'll do we'll do a deal
0: very cool it would certainly be nice to have some 4x4 music on some of the streaming services all right damon um uh, this see man this is what happens man You know, I think that you're almost done or that we're almost done and I'm going to stop asking questions, (laughs) but I just keep going, man. I just keep asking questions. So I apologize about that. You asked some great questions, though. I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) Appreciate that.
1: You asked some stuff that I think I heard some questions. I'm like, wow, because people don't, I am like, maybe maybe they're scared to ask it, but I love the fact that you're not, you don't hold no punches. Go ahead and ask it because I I don't hide nothing. I'm transparent.
0: Well, I appreciate that, man. Greatly. I really do appreciate that. Uh, Damon. We're almost done, dude. I promise you. This is what I want to know. How good were you guys? Oh, man. I think uh, you put us on the stage
1: against any group back then. We would hold our own if, if, if we didn't. Um... The thing about us was if you ever saw a 4 by 4 stage show, even like somebody sent me a show last year, and um, I was like, well, I had to watch that thing about five times. Uh, the energy, the singing. The harmony, like, oh, gosh, we were really good. We were very good, extremely good. Our stage show was phenomenal. I mean, our energy, the singing, we could go with anybody. I mean, we, could, we didn't need music. We could just sing. We'll sing anybody's song just as good as them back.
0: Great answer. I love it. Uh, Damon, you're a guy that music has taken you all around the world. You performed in front of large crowds. Uh, You've been mobbed by girls. You've walked through malls and, you know, there's been mayhem. But you also are a writer. You know production. What do you prefer, man? Being in front of people or being behind the scenes?
1: Mm. Uh, Oh, boy. These days, oh, gosh. I like both. I like both. If I don't have to be in front of the crowd, uh, another day of my life, it wouldn't bother me um i love working and developing i've always been one to give back like i said mission um part of my mission is always imparting i like to impart things that i learned at a young age like i tell kids look if i did it at a young age you can too you know but you just gotta you you have to have a strong work ethic kids these days they want everything so microwave yep everybody's a star on instagram right right they get a few get 200 likes on something oh they did something I said okay. Announce that you have a show um, next week. Forty dollars. T- t- Forty dollars a ticket. Let's see how many tickets you sell. There you go. Yeah, that's gonna tell you how good you are. For sure. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Somebody, you get a thousand pe, ten thousand people hitting like on your Instagram is nothing if they won't come out and see you.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, man. And uh, sadly, I guess we live in a world of. Uh, You know, how many likes, how many views, and, you know, all that sort of stuff, man. It's kind of silly. Uh, Damon, we have made it to the very end, man. This is it. This is the final question. Then I'm going to let you uh, give out uh, some of your plugs. Here we go. Final question, man. You mentioned his name a few times. I wrote it down and I've been meaning to ask, and this will be my final question. Very, very cool, man, that you are friends with this gentleman. So I got to ask and I got to know, man. Tell me a little bit about. I think I said it earlier, man, legend. Tell me a little bit about Teddy Riley.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, t- Teddy. Uh, Teddy's dope. I remember um, being at the, at the skating rink. I knew he was a writer, and he was in a group, Kids at Work, right? And I met him right after that. But when I saw him at the, at the, at the rooftop skating rink, there was another singer there singing, and Teddy was there playing for him that night. And that's when I said, I said, man, this dude could play like that. I like, this guy is oh gosh. And I could play, you know, but I wasn't like that. I was like, he made me want to play better. And he's just so super talented, could do it all from hip hop to, to pop to R and B. Like, I mean, when you come out with a sound that influences a whole generation right of of artists and they pin you for creating a New Jack Swing. That that tells you something right there. For sure. You know? Teddy Teddy influencing he influenced a whole generation.
0: Yeah, man. Definitely a uh influential guy, that is for sure. And uh for the people out there listening who don't know what New Jack Swing is, um this is from I don't have this memorized, but I'm straight up reading it from Webster's online dictionary. There's even a definition for it which is pop music usually performed by black musicians that combines elements of jazz, funk, rap, and rhythm and blues. So there you go. Damon, man, you are done. Let's get to some plugs. Anything you want to mention? Websites, Twitter handles, uh, Facebook accounts, Instagram accounts, anything, man, here is your chance to do it. Go for it.
1: Oh, okay. Well, you can reach me. Um, I'm on Facebook. My Facebook page is uh, at Damon Hayward on Facebook (laughs) however that is the backslash but it's my name Damon Hayward D-A-M-E-N-H-E-Y-W-A-R-D and my Instagram is Damon underscore Hayward that's D-A-M-E-N underscore H-E-Y-W-A-R-D
0: there you go guys make sure you check out Damon on Facebook and Instagram I would actually recommend his Facebook page uh, he's got some fantastic renditions of some songs that he's worked on, everything from Marvin Gaye to James Taylor to New Edition uh, to the Commodores to Christopher Cross. Uh, it's just Damon on there doing his thing and putting his spin on some of those classic songs from back in the day. It's really good stuff. Make sure you check it out, Damon. Any final words? Oh, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. You know, I'm
1: just appreciative that you uh thought of me to um jump on here man and talk and go through this i get uh you know a lot of people reach out um sometimes i decline not just because of it, sometimes just doing so much or just sometimes i'm not but um definitely cliff you're a cool dude man i'm like you know what let
0: me talk with my man
1: here yeah
0: damon i appreciate that man very kind of you and dude you are done you can get out of here man really do appreciate you taking time to sit down and talk with me and uh, share all your stories with everybody around the world. They were absolutely fantastic. And uh, I tell you what, man, keep in touch. And like I tell everybody, and I'll tell you, best of luck to whatever you do the rest of the way, man. Once again, thank you very much.
1: Oh, no, nah, thank you, Cliff. This was dope, man. Um, you asked some really tough, some really really good questions, man. I really enjoyed this. Um, and I hope to be back on with you soon, man, in the future. Just give me a shout out and I'm there.
0: Awesome. Hope everybody enjoyed my conversation with Damon Hayward. Uh, guys, make sure you hang tight, stay tuned. Uh, more episodes are on the way. In the meantime, uh, head over to Instagram, head over to Facebook, give me a like, give me a follow. Uh, both accounts are at Being Famous Podcast. That's at Being Famous Podcast. And don't forget about the webpage, beingfamouspodcast.com. There you can make a donation. You can also listen to previous episodes. You can learn more about me. You can learn more about previous guests. Lots of stuff going on on my webpage, beingfamouspodcast.com. Hope everybody out there stays well and stays safe. I will talk to you guys on the next episode. Peace.